Hello and welcome to the What The Heck podcast. I'm your host, Glenn. Every week I explore something unexplained, talk about what it is and look at what else it could possibly be. Research is done as academically as possible and references will be given after the stories. This week, I'm looking at the murder of Elizabeth Barraza. Elizabeth Barraza lived in Tomball, Texas. She lived there with her husband Sergio and they were about to celebrate their fifth wedding anniversary. Elizabeth loved Harry Potter and both her and Sergio loved Star Wars. They were even official members of the 501st Legion, a prestigious fan group of cosplayers dedicated to being clone troopers or stormtroopers. Because of this love, the couple had planned a trip to Florida's Universal Studios to celebrate their anniversary. On January 25th, 2019, the couple were 48 hours away from their trip. Elizabeth was already packed and ready to go because she was so excited. To raise a little extra money for the trip, Elizabeth had planned on holding a garage sale that morning. At 6.45 a.m., she began to set up tables for the sale on her driveway. Sergio had begun to help her, but needed to go to work and left her to continue soon afterwards. Five minutes later, a neighbor's CCTV camera caught a black Nissan Frontier driving slowly down the street. The car passed Elizabeth's house, then turned around before stopping outside the neighbor's home. A single person exited the vehicle wearing white knee-high boots, possibly a wig and a long flowing coat, perhaps a bathrobe. The person from the vehicle approaches Elizabeth. They stop in front of her and pull something from under the coat. They point it at Elizabeth who takes a step back. However, it was too late. The figure had pulled a gun they say something that's picked up on the microphone in the camera doorbell. Then the gun was fired three times and the doorbell picked up Elizabeth's screams. In the recording from the doorbell, there is a small moment of silence before the gun is fired a fourth time. In the neighbor's CCTV footage, the figure then leaves the scene by getting back into the Nissan and driving away. One of the neighbors, Candy Ellis, phoned 911, describing what happened to the authorities. They arrived quickly and found Elizabeth laying in her driveway. She was taken to the Memorial Hermann Hospital by Medivac. Elizabeth had spent hours volunteering at that same hospital as a member of the 501st Legion. Here, Elizabeth Barraza died from her injuries. Elizabeth had been signed up as an organ donor and her heart, liver, kidneys and corneas were donated to people who needed them. However, the loss of Elizabeth was felt by everybody who knew her. Nobody could understand why she would be the victim of an attack like that. The investigation into the shooting began on the day of the shooting 
and was handled by the Harris County Sheriff's Office. They cordoned off the house for several hours and questioned Sergio inside the house. They reached out to other people who knew Elizabeth, theorising that the killer must be somebody that knew Elizabeth and Sergio. It was already decided that the attack was deliberate and not just a random attack. However, there was a problem. There wasn't very much evidence. The police found no bullet casings at the house, nor were they able to find any DNA evidence like hair fibres at all. There were rumours that a note had been given to Elizabeth before she was shot, although there isn't any evidence of this. A few days after her death, friends, family members, co-workers and many other people congregated on Elizabeth's front lawn to hold a vigil. All of the attendees brought with them either a wand or a lightsaber, which were lifted into the air in Elizabeth's honour. Elizabeth's father said that Elizabeth had spent her entire life healing and spreading love to everybody around her. Then, the police got hold of the CCTV footage from the neighbourhood. This evidence helped the police to establish a timeline of events. They discovered that the vehicle, the Nissan Frontier, had been driving around the neighbourhood both before and after the attack. Police believed that the vehicle was a four-door from 2013. It also wasn't a very common vehicle for the area where most people drove Fords or Chevrolets. Someone had reported early on that the car had been in the area the night before. It's believed that the car had been canvassing the area at the time. Using the footage from the neighbour, which was released within hours of the beginning of the investigation, the police were able to compile the description of the attacker. The only other information they managed to gain were that the culprit was likely a woman based on their gait and their height. They also understood that it wasn't a definitive answer since there was no proof that it was correct. Later, at a press conference held by Houston Crime Stoppers, Elizabeth's father reiterated his sentiments and Sergio also spoke. Harris County Lieutenant Jeff Storber said that the attack looked deliberate and spoke about how the attack was fast, calculated and cold-blooded. He said that he believed more than one person was involved in the attack and that he believed that there were people who may know where the culprits were. During the conference, Houston Crime Stoppers announced a $20,000 reward for information that would lead to the arrest of Elizabeth's killer. This money had been compiled by both Elizabeth's friends and family and the 501st Legion. In the months after Elizabeth's murder, the police tried everything they could to find the culprit. They started with the Nissan by attempting to pull the CCTV footage of everywhere within a specific radius of the site of the crime in the hopes that they would find out where the culprit went after the murder. The Harris County Sheriff's Office even went to the Texas Rangers in order to get help to solve the case. In August 2019, 
about six months after the murder, it was reported that investigators were waiting for a warrant that could possibly break the case. However, by January 2020, the anniversary of the murder, the warrant was still pending. Investigators won't say what the warrant actually pertains to either. It's believed to be related to cell phone location data or traffic cameras to find the culprit, but that information would take time to go through. Harris County homicide detective Michael Ritchie stated that he felt that the results of the warrant would be critical in the investigation and was likely going to expose a suspect in the case. After this statement, investigators began to speak about how the murderer had returned to the crime scene after fleeing. Elizabeth's father believes that the circling back is proof of something bigger going on and Detective Michael Ritchie said that he thought that it was possible that the murderer made a call to say that they had done the job and been asked if they were sure, prompting the murderer to double back just to check. Another development in the story came in January 2021, two years after Elizabeth's murder. This is when the doorbell footage was released. The angle didn't allow for any useful visuals, but gave the audio of the short conversation and then Elizabeth's death. The audio led people to believe that she didn't know who her killer was and that something else was happening. Detective Wallace Wyatt said that the camera picked up Elizabeth noticing the gun and being scared. Wyatt believes that Elizabeth knew her murderer. In 2020, Sergio, Elizabeth's husband, met and married his new wife, Amber. Some people noticed the marriage and immediately believed that Sergio was to blame for the murder. In the last three years, he has been a constant in the pleas for help, appearing at every conference to ensure that Elizabeth would never be forgotten. Alex Lewis from Medium reached out to Sergio to dispel any rumours about the possibility that he or his wife were the culprits. Sergio's response was that he hadn't known Amber in 2019 when Elizabeth died. He also said that the accusations were quite hurtful and unfair. Sergio still cares deeply for Elizabeth and Amber is very aware of that and respects it. All Sergio wants is for the culprit to be caught to close the case. As of 2022, the case is yet unsolved and the $20,000 reward has been raised to 50,000 and they are still asking for information. I'll add in how to contact the authorities at the end of the episode after the theories. Currently, the case of Elizabeth Barraza's murder is unsolved. There are some theories, but with a lack of evidence, there's little to go on. We need to remember that we have a very small amount of evidence that has been released to the public for this case. We have images of the car, 
the murderer and the recording of the murderer's voice. Most of these theories have no evidence to them and have absolutely no real basis behind them right now. There are no suspects at all. Alex Lewis speculated on the murder and had a few theories. He believes that the police would have been looking for the murderer's car on the day of the murder, so it would be unlikely that they would have been able to get away unseen. Unless, of course, the culprit lived close by and had somewhere to hide the vehicle. If the murderer did somehow manage to get past the police that day, how far would they travel wearing the outfit that they had committed the crime in? Removing the wig would be easy, but the boots and the long coat might create suspicion if the police pulled the car over. The car being seen the night before on CCTV is an important piece of evidence, I think. Somebody contacted Alex Lewis with some CCTV footage from the night before. Why they didn't send it to the police, I don't know. They may have, but it's not mentioned in the article this comes from. The footage shows a black truck circling a cul-de-sac twice for little to no reason. It's possible that this manoeuvre is to check to see which houses have a CCTV system on them. It's possible that the murderer was looking for somewhere they could easily hide while the investigation took place so that they wouldn't get caught and accidentally activated every CCTV camera in the area. Lewis also believes that the killer is a man. The doorbell recording does actually sound male, unless it's been deliberately distorted. The fact that the killer was roughly the same height as Elizabeth is strange though, since she was only five foot two. Men are rarely that height, but it's not unheard of. It's very possible that it was a man, but it's just as possible that it was a woman, even with the deeper voice, which isn't unheard of in women. Another thing that Lewis points out is that the car's description could be incorrect. The police were looking for a Nissan Frontier from 2013. However, there's a photo that might change the idea of that. Somebody looked at Elizabeth's previous workplace on Google Maps Street View out of curiosity and discovered that in the disabled bay of the car park, there was a Nissan truck. But it wasn't a Frontier. It was a Titan, which looks incredibly similar to the Frontier. Lewis believes that it's entirely possible that the police were incorrect when they said what vehicle the murderer was driving and that they may have been looking for the wrong vehicle for three years. However, if the two are so similar, would it make much of a difference in who gets pulled over, since that kind of vehicle is rare in the area? Lewis went through the audio and boosted it so the words could be heard. He believes that the neighbour can be heard having a conversation where it sounds like they're talking about Elizabeth being killed. The conversation takes place before the shooting, but after the vehicle turns onto the street. It sounds like one of them could see what was about to happen, and the other one didn't believe it. 
All of this was caught on Elizabeth's doorbell, so they must have been close enough for it to have been picked up. Where they were is unknown though. Around eight seconds after that conversation, the murder happened. The murderer exited the vehicle and said something to Elizabeth, who says good morning to them. At this point, Elizabeth seemed to recognise the murderer, and it's possible that the murderer revealed their name. But even with the enhanced audio, it's difficult to tell what that is. Another possibility is that Elizabeth had been followed that very morning. Sergio had said that the morning of the murder, Elizabeth had gone to Starbucks to get coffee. Lewis suggests that had the murderer been watching the house, they likely wouldn't have known that Elizabeth was coming back unless they followed her. Or they may have known that she wasn't working that day and waited to see if she would. The Starbucks CCTV was never pulled and would likely no longer be in the system, so that evidence will be gone, especially if she had been followed. The murder falls into two schools of thought, planned or opportunity. Some believe that the murder was planned and that someone hired the murderer to kill Elizabeth. However, there doesn't seem to be any reason for someone to do that. Elizabeth had no enemies that are known, so it seems strange that anyone would hire a murderer to kill her. The other thought is that it's a murder of convenience. The death wasn't planned, and Elizabeth just happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time, leading to her death. This is also quite strange, since Elizabeth was heard to recognise the murderer before they killed her. It's quite odd, and neither side seems to have enough evidence to really be a definite. If you have any information that may help the police in their investigation, please contact Houston Crime Stoppers at 713-222-TIPS. I'll add that into the social media posts and the episode description so you can see it written down as well. This is an awful crime and could be solved with any information that people have to offer. The story from this episode came from an unresolved article called Elizabeth Barraza and a Medium article called Four Shots on Friday, The Senseless Murder of Elizabeth Barraza. Theories from this episode came from the Medium article. References for the episode and links to studies will be posted on social media for you to have a look at. Speaking of social media, links to those and other ways to listen are in the episode description under my link tree. You can currently find me on Facebook and Instagram. Patreon is getting an upload of one of the transcripts each week as part of the £3 tier. The link to the Patreon is also on the link tree and, as before, you're welcome to pledge more than £3 a month and I'll find something extra special for the people that do. I do have an email set up on the link tree, 
but it doesn't open up a new email, so that's in the description of the episode too. Send me your spooky stories, unexplained events, and anything else you want me to read out. Or, if you have any corrections or issues with things that I've said, let me know, and I'll address them as soon as I see the email. The next Creature feature will be out on Saturday, and next week's episode comes out on April 20th. So hold on until then. Thank you.